Normally on a weekday lunchtime, Trafalgar Square would be full of tourists making their way to the National Gallery, clambering on the lions and taking selfies by the fountains. Today, the square's been taken over by protesters from the Extinction Rebellion movement, which has embarked on two weeks of global protest to draw attention to what they describe as a climate emergency. Among the tents where some are planning to stay the night, members of the Christian Climate Action Group are holding a prayer vigil. I'm Rosie Dawson, and for this edition of Things Unseen, I'll be hearing from some of them about why it's important for them as Christians to be part of this movement. I'm Neil, I'm Christian, and I'm an environmental activist and doing a PhD in the economics of climate change at Imperial. Climate change is the defining issue of the 21st century. It's a huge issue of injustice. Um, those who are least responsible for the warming planet are those most vulnerable to the impacts of it. Um, so both as a human being, but also as a follower of Jesus who calls us to love our neighbours, I have to be involved in some response to this. Because we see God doing something beautiful in Extinction Rebellion. Uh, we see God helping people lament. I found people who I can grieve with. But also I think as, as Christians we have something to offer this movement as well. There, Yes, now is the time of grief, now is the time to lament. But with God we have the antidote to despair, which is possibility. I'm Gaynor, um, I'm from Carmarthenshire and I'm here because there's no other way. Um, my name's Helen, um, I'm here because I'm really moved by um, the call to care for the planet. My Christian faith is a really big part of why I've joined Extinction Rebellion. Um, so, you know, the planet is God's creation um, and he called all of his people to care for it and love it. Um, and that's just not what we've been doing, we've been doing the complete opposite. I'm uh, Eddie. I have a sign that depicts that I'm part of Christian Climate Action and below that I have a second sign uh, that says I'm on my second day of my hunger strike. This isn't a laugh, this, I'm not here to have fun. It's cold, wet, but it just shows people and the police that this is not, this is not a laugh, this is not fun, this is serious. And, and personal sacrifice. Yeah, I'm, I'm weak is more what I am than hungry. The Christians who've joined the protests support the aims of Extinction Rebellion as a whole. They're calling on the government to tell the truth, as they say, about the scale of the climate crisis. And they want the UK to commit to reducing carbon emissions to net zero by 2025. The Christian group began their action at Lambeth Bridge on Monday. The Faith Bridge, as they call it, attracted a sizeable crowd and speakers from many Christian organisations. I pray that we find courage, that we find strength, but we do so with humility and we do so with the wisdom that can only come from God above. Let the history books show that we are the generation that stood up and stopped the world from killing this planet and from leading it into extinction. Yes! Dowd, known to regular listeners of Things Unseen, was there. We had a great idea. We had Noah's Ark arriving in a van, this great big boat 
14, 15 pieces, warned we were by some of the organizers, it was very heavy, but I was there with the team to get all the parts off the, uh, from the van into the middle of the island where the roundabout is at Lambeth Bridge. Unfortunately, um, it was very, very heavy. Nobody knew how to assemble it. The police spotted us very quickly, came and impounded the van. They arrested the driver. We all stood there shrugging our shoulders. And within about five to ten minutes, the whole thing ended in disaster. It wasn't the best beginning to our day of campaigning. But we weren't deterred. We saw our colleagues waiting for us on Lambeth Bridge. They smiled, beckoned us over, and we went and sat in the road, and uh, we carried on our campaign. There is something unique, I think, about the faith brand in a campaign like this. And there we were, assembled, blocking the road. And many times the police said they were about to start arresting people. Some people were arrested, but a lot of the time we were warned this was going to happen. And we prayed, we sang hymns, lovely nuns appeared from nowhere, Franciscans appeared in tunics, TV cameras were around, and suddenly the police pulled back. And I think you could see, looking at the expressions on their faces, that this isn't going to look good. There's something about this particular group with their hymn singing and their you know, singing Latin chant from Teze that was almost untouchable, and I found that immensely moving. That was the time when I think my eyes filled with tears and I thought this is a special and a sacred moment. We were singing, Please, we love you, we're doing this for your children. And it goes over and over. Were you there singing that? Yes, I was singing that uh, on, on the Faith Bridge, yes. My name's Jonathan Herbert. I'm a priest in the Church of England and I live in a place called Hillfield Friary, a Franciscan community with an emphasis on peace, justice and the care of our common home, the environment. I felt impelled to come and about, I think, last year, I finally came to the conclusion after thinking about it, praying about it, people are going to have to take to the streets to bring about change because there is such complacency, not so much in local government, but in central government and in, in, in business and the people who control finance and our, our big companies. We've come for some much needed refreshment to the Crypton Cafe at St Martin in the Fields Church on the edge of the square. And I've been joined by Joe Rand, a Methodist minister from Cumbria, who, after just one day of protest, has already got quite a story. I came down on Sunday to be ready to take part in the Extinction Rebellion protests. On the Monday morning, I was there as we began to try to take control of the Lambeth Bridge. Some of us moved onto the bridge to, uh, to join others who were there and there were barriers between the pavement and the road. And I think everybody was kind of waiting for somebody to start things off. And so we decided that we needed to just jump the barrier and get onto the road. I did that once and the police uh, shouted, so I, I moved back onto the pavement at that point. Um, but then a little later on, the police's attention was sort of in another direction. And I thought, you know, I need to do this. It was all a bit of a shock, really. I'd come down thinking that as the week went on, I might well be prepared to be arrested if that seemed an appropriate thing to happen. I wasn't intending to be arrested right at the beginning. That's where it ended up. And the police pulled me over to right to the edge of the road and, and asked me repeatedly, uh, would I move? I wasn't really sure what to say at that point in time. I've never done anything like this before, but I did say, no, I'm not moving. 
and at that point they arrested me. Handcuffs the lot? No, no handcuffs. I decided I wasn't going to cooperate and get up and walk off the bridge, so uh, they take a limb each. I had four um, police officers with a limb each, and I was just going floppy in the middle. They carted me off the bridge. And how did that feel? All I can say, really, is that I felt a huge sense of peace about what I was doing, about what was happening to me. That surprised me, but the process of being on the bridge and then being arrested, I just felt complete calm, really. That I was in the right place. I was where God had called me to be, because all through thinking about coming down at all, I've had a real sense that God was calling me to be a part of this. Take me through the next few hours. What happened? Um, took quite a long time to uh, have some transport arrive because they're clearly busy and they took me and one other from a different group off to the police station. So my details were taken and, uh, and I was taken down to a cell. I asked for a Bible and so it was me in a cell, <laughs> myself. Time to read the Bible, time to pray. Oh, Lord, hear my One of the stories from the Bible that has uh, spoken to me and, and been important in my thinking about getting involved in all of this is the story where Nathan the prophet challenges uh, King David over his actions in taking the wife of uh, Uriah and Nathan has to confront him and uh, tells him a story and talks about a, a, a man who has flocks and herds and, and so many things and yet he sees this, this poor man who has one lamb and he has to have that lamb. Nathan challenges David and says, actually, you're that man. And it strikes me that that's so like what we do, you know, in the developed world, we've had everything. We've got all we need and more. And yet we look at the resources of the planet that are in other parts of the world and we still say, I want that. It's a strange feeling to sit in that little room and know that I couldn't leave, I had no choice to leave. Some of the time I could hear one or two other people in cells who were obviously perhaps feeling a little agitated or whatever. And I just thought, you know, I'm here, God's with me, this is fine. And you were there overnight? I was there quite a long time. They take your watch off you, so I don't actually know what time things happened, but I guess it was probably towards midnight. I was thinking, well, I guess, is that it now? And finally, I think it was probably about quarter past, half past five in the morning, when somebody came to the cell to get me and said, uh, you're being released, uh, sort of pending investigation, which means that I wasn't being charged, um, but apparently if they decide to charge me, I'll get a letter in the post that will tell me um, that I have to go to the police station. So I will wait and see whether that letter comes. And you're back protesting again now? Yes. I'm hoping I don't get arrested again, because I should think that two arrests in quick succession is probably going to be a rather more difficult thing to deal with. But yes, I'm here. Okay, my name is Ruth Jarman and I'm one of the co-founders of Christian Climate Action. Um, I've been campaigning on climate change for decades. And why do you think it's important to have a distinctively Christian arm to this movement? 
Well, for me, my real passion for the environment comes from my faith. Um, I believe we are called to serve and preserve the earth. You know, in Genesis, God puts Adam in the garden and asks him to work it and take care of it. Um, and so it is our sacred duty to do that. It's not something that, well, for me, it's, you know, if something's a sacred duty, you don't stop doing it when you come across some obstacles. And those obstacles might be where you want to go on holiday or what you want to eat. Um, in this case, you know, it, should, should the barrier of what is seen as respectable and legal be the point at which you stop doing your sacred duty? And for, and for us, it, it isn't. That means you're going to be prepared to break the law? Yes, we are prepared to break the law. At the same time, there is a law in this country that allows people to break laws to protect life and to protect other more serious laws. You can throw a brick through a window to, to save a child from a burning building, for example. We believe we are obeying a higher law. God's law is a higher law for us. Love of neighbour, love of, love of the earth, protection of the earth is a higher law for us as well. You weren't to know the timing of this when the Extinction Rebellion decided it was going to have this two weeks of global protest. We're in the middle of Brexit. First question, is anyone listening? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't meant to. It wasn't meant to clash with Brexit. But one of the main truth-telling stories is this is bigger than anything else. You know, this is about life on Earth. This is about our planet remaining habitable for all these beautiful, amazing creatures and plants and trees and humanity that have been created to live in it. And there will be no Brexit on a dead planet. Um, there'll be no anything. Second question, though, the atmosphere in this country is febrile, it's horrible, people are angry, upset, beside themselves, and you're not helping. I would say the, the values and principles and love that is in this movement counteract some of that. There are people who are from all echelons of society and especially with me and my faith, um, I've never before stood in a public place and sung Amazing Grace with all different faiths joining in, people of none, no faith also joining in. And the feeling of being together for one, one purpose, because we are all one and we have to look after each other. But among the commuters near Charing Cross Station, there are many who see the road closures and disruption to travel caused by the protests as plain annoying. It's a nuisance. It's just, we should go back to work because we're stopping other people to, to work as well. Is it disrupting you? Of course it is. Enormously. It stopped me from getting around the city. And how do you feel about it? Uh, it's frustrating. I, I wish I could take the day and sit in a tent. But unfortunately, I have to work and pay the bills. I support it because... Uh, if we don't really seriously do something about climate change, the planet is still going to be here in a, in a couple of hundred years' time, but we are not. I'm just fed up because it's me, because I've just been diagnosed with having a bad heart, which I wasn't expecting, and I've got to go into hospital, and they told me not to overstress myself, and there's no buses, there's no cabs, and I've just walked from St James's, which is about a mile, to get here. And everybody sympathises with them, but you can't stop people from going to work. People have got to earn a living. Can I just ask you what you make of the Extinction Rebellion? Is it inconveniencing you? We're actually on our way to yeah. support it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with I agree with it, but not in the way that they're going about it. I think there's other other ways. I mean, it looks an utter total mess, which is apparently what they're all all not about. You know, they don't want that, and they're just making a mess everywhere. It doesn't seem right to me. You're infuriating an awful lot of people by what you're doing. Um, I went into a cafe just down the road where there's nobody been in there today because of all the protests. You're affecting people's livelihoods. Doesn't that give you cause for concern? It does, it does. You know, we are really sorry when we upset people, especially the ordinary people. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to make a stand for the government to listen and to change, not for ordinary people. But at the same time, you've got to look at what works. And in the past, huge justice issues have been sorted by civil disobedience. Um, the, you know, the, the civil rights movements, votes for women, the apartheid movement. Um, and in my personal experience, you know, I have been campaigning on climate change for 20 years, for two decades, two weeks on the streets of London in April, and the government declared a climate and environment emergency. So this is working. And the disruption to people now is pales into insignificance compared to the disruption of climate meltdown, which will it'll take lives. It'll take possibly billions of people's lives. You say you're winning. I just wonder how realistic some of the goals of this movement are. Zero carbon emissions by 2025, not 2050, as in the Paris Agreement. Um, that's going to mean 30,000 offshore wind farms. It's going to mean we all have our gas boilers converted to electric, you know, all in the space of six years. It's not realistic, is it? It would be very easy just to give up, honestly, just to give up. And, and I, I face that all the time, that, that question is, this is too hard. Um, but I think as a Christian, we have to... Well, for me, I, I've just got to do what I feel is right and what I feel God could be calling us to, because you never really know what God is calling us to. But for, for me and for Christian Climate Action, we feel very strongly that God is calling us to do this. My name's Jeremy. We, as, as XR or as, as Christian Climate Action or whoever, don't claim to have all the answers and we don't claim to have some kind of master plan that we need to impose on the world, which I think is often misunderstood. You know, we, we were asked just in the cafe a minute ago, <laughs> someone saying, well, what's your plan then? It's not for me to make a plan. This is a democracy. We'll decide together. You have to have faith in people uh, and in our own human intelligence that as a group you would conclude that's not good enough for our children, it's not good enough for the earth and the non-humans that we share this planet with to say, well, stuff you all, I want to fly on holiday. I think in some ways asking whether 2025 is possible or not is the wrong question. The better question is, is it the right thing to do? Mm. And I think if we just get on with it, we'll find out if it's possible or not. If we fail and we reach zero carbon by 2026, 2027, well, so what? We're two years out. If we wait until 2050, you know, the climate may have been destroyed by that time. So let's crack on with it. And if you find out that it's impossible, well, then we'll just, we won't regret having a go. The rain started to fall and commuters are making their way home after another day's disruption. I'm also on my way, leaving behind Christians facing another night, possibly cold and damp, certainly sleepless and disturbed, because they're convinced that this is where God has called them to be on this October evening in London in 2019. I'm Rosie Dawson, and this edition of Things Unseen was brought to you by CTVC. 
And you can hear this programme again and find other editions of Things Unseen at www.thingsunseen.co.uk.